0: Hello, welcome to a new episode of Purposely Local, a podcast where we speak about local businesses, shops, initiatives and ideas that are shaping and transforming the new world of local. Our plan, as you probably know at this point, is not to speak about how your business is doing or what is your business about. We will focus on the why it's local and purpose all in the same podcast. Today I'm gonna to have the pleasure to speak with Julie and Megan, which I don't know them yet, by the way. They're here mm-hmm. with me, but I don't know them yet. However, the reason that they are both here is because I was recently reading a local blogger, Hoboken Girl, which they feature an article on Julie's and Megan purpose now. And I read about this new thrift store which opened recently in Jersey City. And the most amazing thing, which I think is fascinating, is that it's about consignments, it's local, and it's plus size. All three in the same business. So first of all, congratulations to you. This is amazing what you guys are are starting. And I wanna welcome both of you, Julie and Megan. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much
1: for having us. Hi, thank you for having us. So nice to be here.
0: Awesome, awesome. So I'd like to start speaking a little bit about your backgrounds, right? Where are you guys? Where were you born and raised, both of you? And what memories do you have from your childhood?
2: Meg, you go first.
1: <laughs> um, sure. So I am a New Jersey born and bred gal. My father was an immigrant from Guatemala. My mom Her family immigrated here like about a generation and a half before that. And, you know, I grew up kind of moving around New Jersey as my mother had me very, very young and just found ways to support us and change careers quite a bit. And so, you know, I grew up in a household with very strong, powerful women. And I think that that influenced a lot of my career choices at this point. And I like to think that you know, my childhood definitely empowered me to learn how to work hard, know that things are earned, not given. And I feel like I've put that kind of personality
2: into my work ever since.
0: Nice, awesome. How about you, Julie?
2: Hi, so I was actually born in Jersey City and I lived here for a big chunk of my life before moving to Cairo, Egypt where I attended high school and college. And right after I was done, I moved back to Jersey city and my entire family still lives there. So I, you know, right now it's a pandemic but I kind of go back and forth and visit but I feel at home here and I feel like I'm happy to be here. It's the city has changed a lot but I'm happy to be here and I studied education abroad and here and a little bit of nursing and I am a full-time caregiver. And I really have a passion for fashion and sustainability and that's kind of how this comes into play.
0: Awesome. Those are two very very important things today in the fashion industry. I think it's probably the key to the future. What what memories do you have from your childhood? I think I heard from Meg already about a little bit of the memories. How about you, Julie? What what kind of memories do you have from those days, your early days in Jersey City?
2: So I'm actually the oldest of five girls and I'm half Egyptian, half Honduran. So I've had a lot of mixed memories and I was fortunate enough to grow up just around the corner from my mom's side, the Spanish side, and the Arab side on the other side of the street. So it was a lot of mixed cultures, mixed, you know, all shapes and sizes, all colors, all races, all religions. So I feel like that kind of instilled representation in me. I really love to kind of like kind of support everyone and uh, inclusivity is what I mean to say is really important to me. And yeah,
0: was there a point of both of you in your childhood or maybe later in high school or even in college or whatever you you found this that you said you know this is this is what I want to do now you know uh, I think this is my passion this is what I wanted to follow through is was there a point of your life that you had that feeling or you still looking for that that could be a possibility as well <clears throat>
1: i 100 had that feeling as most immigrant families i was expected to become either a doctor or an engineer i was in about a year of pre-med and you know I, i reflected and i was like i'm doing this career path not for myself but to appease everyone else so i completely shifted and i was like you know what I think I want to go to business school. So I secretly enrolled myself into business school, applied, and my parents had no idea until the letter came in. (laughs) And ever since then, I felt like I've been trying to make a career out of things that I love. And so far, so good. I've actively pursued and created businesses in which not only allow me to make money, but also give me something so much more than that. Give me you know, inspiration also make me feel like I'm giving back to my community. I'm giving back to my peers. And also, you know, I think it's important to find your passions and let that drive the rest of your life. And that to me is one of the reasons why this business has come to
0: fruition. Great. Do you have anything to add there, Julie?
2: I I agree with Megan. I, I'm happy that we're kind of pursuing a passion project. I right now, like my full-time job is caregiving, which I'm super um, passionate about. And I actually spoke with my hairdresser this morning. I haven't seen her since the launch of Plus Thrift. And she happened to see the article and she was talking to me about it. And she asked me if it's fulfilling me, if this is adding fulfillment to my life in comparison. And I basically told her, I feel like everything that I work with, everyone and every project that I work with brings me some form of fulfillment, and I am passionate about everything that I do, and I'm just happy to express it in this creative way and giving back to my community, kind of just to piggyback off of what Megan said, uh, it feels so good to give back and to connect with the community that I was born in and raised in.
0: Awesome. I I see a lot of, you know, both of you come from immigrant families, uh, and there's a lot of diversity and mix in where you guys are coming from which is also my case. I mean, I'm, I am originally from Venezuela, but I've been in, in New York, New Jersey, in different places for 16, 17 years now. Uh, and I can totally relate with, with both of your your story. Thank you for for sharing that. How do you guys meet both of you and why, especially why is a question, you decided to go into a local thrift store in Jersey City just for plus size?
1: Uh, well, let's talk about the first one first. Why don't you, Julie, talk about how we met and I'll talk about the thrift story? <laughs>
2: okay. So, Megan and I met at a local uh, women's event. There's a local organization for women, and we met at one of the events and just very briefly. And from that time on, I started following Megan on Instagram and I was incredibly inspired by all of her work and her content. and her ability to represent the plus-size community and just everyone. And I really, really appreciated her work ethic and just her, how can I say this, honesty. She's very honest and very kind of straightforward. I really appreciated that. And I felt comfortable talking to her about a topic that she had brought up about the lack of inclusivity and especially size-inclusive availability in local businesses.
0: So now, Meg, it's your turn to give us the why.
2: Yes, the why. So I do work
1: in influencing. I am a fat activist, and I also have a lot of interest in the fashion industry, just like Julie. We happen to have quite an eye for fashion and also sustainability. So I've lived here for about four years. I am an extreme advocate for supporting local business, I try to spend about 10% of my income reinvesting into community which I love so much. And I own local businesses in town. I love supporting my peers. I love supporting people in which are trying to build something in this country. However, it became very disheartening because as I shopped locally throughout the city, I found that I pretty much couldn't go into a single local owned store and find clothing in my size, which I think is absolutely horrifying, considering the fact that I am on the lower side of the fat spectrum at a size 18, and I can almost find nothing in my size, let alone have options. And then what is that saying about people who are in larger bodies than myself, who are more marginalized? And I started reaching out into the community, asking, you know, what can we do to get local businesses to offer larger sizes. Like what companies do I have to contact? What businesses do you offer local sizes? And, you know, it comes to a point where, you know, Target doesn't offer everything. And if I cannot support Target, I would prefer to do that. (laughs) And Target for the most part stops at a size 20, which I'm not sure if you know a lot about sizing, but that's not inclusive whatsoever. So, you know, it became insanely frustrating because I'm like, I want to support these companies. I want to support these businesses, especially downtown but how many pieces of jewelry can I buy? And, you know, it comes to a point in which when we talk about clothing, we look at it from a luxury standpoint, but it is a need. It is a necessity. And we judge people in society by the way that they look and the way that they dress and the way that they hold themselves. So if we are already judging people in a fat phobic society by their body standard, then add that to a level of which they're not properly being able to access clothing to clothe their body. So for me, this became an activism issue, not just a sustainability, not just a business, not just, you know, anything else. And the more I reached out, you know, we're slowly getting there. There's about one or two local businesses that offer some plus sizes, which I'm excited to see, but plus size people make up 67% of the population. It shouldn't be A pat on the back to offer plus size it should be the standard (laughs) and the more i talked about the more i realized that people felt very similar to me people felt very similar to julie i know julie is much more the sustainability queen is so great about like green shopping and green consciousness whereas i am like accessibility clothing options so together we work so fluid with both of our ideologies and creating this business was a no-brainer because It isn't about money at this point, I think we can safely say it's not a profitable business. (laughs) It is all about getting people access to these things in which they need and is a want, you know, and to me, having people come to us and talk about how happy they are that something like this finally exists in a metropolitan area. And the worst part is it's not just Jersey city. There's minimal plus size options in New York city throughout that are thrifted consignment. And I know because I'm an active thrifter, (laughs) you know, I like to say that buying plus size consignment and thrift clothes is a full time job. It's not easy. So us bringing it to them, bringing it to online is making it so much better and easier to support our community in which we love and want to bring back to
0: absolutely i mean i i, I could i cannot agree with you more about what you're saying i mean i i full disclosure i own a fashion technology company oh, and i completely yeah. understand and i see exactly what you what you're saying and also not only that i mean i think there is a market for what you're saying beyond the the purpose and all the fulfillment that you're feeling about you know having these customers happy i think beyond that there is you see how there is a a market for this, and, and I think the future is that this market is no longer a niche. I mean, if you're talking about uh, consignment and and also diversity in in sizing, is probably the future. I would say it's, it's where all the brands need to be thinking about it now. So, dear, yeah, really congratulations on on your on your idea.
1: Oh, thank you. And I don't even think it is the future, like it's going to be the future. It it is the future. It is here. And brands are deciding to actively not participate in it because of fat phobia, because of reasonings with branding, and they don't want their clothes on fat bodies. And that's something that we need to discuss because when 67% of the population is above a size 16, but yet 8% of the entire fashion industry is only making plus size. What does that tell you? Because the market is there. They're actively losing money,
2: not clothing plus size people at this point.
0: I'm so happy that you said that. You want to say that something, Julie?
2: 100% I agree with Megan. Um, They really are losing out. We both experience heartbreak and heartache of not being able to find our size online and of course in real life and in our community, which is um, disheartening.
0: Yeah. And I read, in in one of, in this article that came out about you guys in in the Hoboken girl, that one of your biggest inspiration is your community, and I know as a as someone that lives very close to Jersey City, I live in Jersey City for a while. Jersey City has actually won, for those of you who doesn't know, I think a couple of times the most diverse city in the states, and. I wanted to ask you, is that the reason why you decided to start this in Jersey City? because also is diversity and both of you, of course, are living in the in the area?
1: I mean, that wasn't inherently the reason, but that's the reason why I moved here. You know, I for one, wanted to live in a diverse area. I personally live in Bergen Lafayette, and that was something that compelled me when I moved because I had the option to move anywhere at the point of which I moved here. And I chose here because I I thought that, you know, for me, diversity is very important. And the longer I lived here, the more I found how wonderful this community is and how much it wants to support itself and support each other. And for me, like, I couldn't imagine starting a business anywhere else like this, especially in the beginning points, because, you know, off the bat, I felt like Julie and I, as soon as we discuss this idea. And it didn't even feel that large. But as soon as we put it into the universe, people were like, yes, please, please create this. Like, we need this. Like, the world needs more of this. And from there, it was like, this is the right choice. This is the right decision. I can't believe I waited on this, but it was because I needed somebody like Julie to push me further and to kind of be like, no, I'm here. We're going to do this together. And we're going to balance each other out and everything else is kind of history.
0: Yeah, I think that you guys, believe me, I think you're, you guys are creating are creating the perfect case study to replicate in any other city in the States because you are doing something that no one else is doing in the most diverse city in the States. How can us be, you know, I think immediately I, I could think how we can replicate the same Movement, because at the end of the day, you're you're pursuing a movement and a, and a and a passion that is gonna hopefully be replicated in other areas as well, right? One can only hope. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> That's great. What is the most challenging part? And this is a question for both of you to answer separately. What is the most challenging part of being Julie first, and then what is the most challenging part of being Megan? <laughs>
2: Julie as a person. Yeah.
0: Yes.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> the most challenging part of about being Julie is that I am very passionate about what I do, as I stated earlier. So I do like plus thrift is like a baby of mine. And uh, just like all of the babies that I care for in my childcare profession, I feel like everything that I work with or deal with. I take very seriously, you know, it's a blessing and a curse. I'm super passionate about it. I do have a little perfectionism in me, but also I am starting to understand the pandemic has helped me understand that life is very unpredictable, can be difficult at times. And there's always a solution. Life takes patience, passion projects like this take patience and just conversations, understanding, and it really does help to have an incredible um, business partner, for sure, and friend, of course, first and foremost.
0: Meg, it's your turn.
2: Okay, so what is the most difficult part
1: about being Megan? Um, Not enough hours in the day. (laughs) (laughs) I have about four different careers at all points, all of which are completely different from one another. So, you know, finding ways to keep it moving, keep it going. Another part about being difficult for me is that I think because I am an online person and I don't like to say personality, but, you know, personality is that people like to pigeonhole me into places of which they think that they know me when they don't. Or like to make assumptions about me, which wouldn't inherently be true or not true. And for me, I know that like, I am a great in-person person <laughs> and very kind, but sometimes I think because I am so honest and so straightforward, that can come off as a little stern.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: But, you know, so far it's, it's pretty good being me, so can't complain. Just a little too busy all the time.
0: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> let's talk about missions about the mission about your business right so just to give a little bit of context for example when you talk about the all the bigger tech companies for example Google missions at some point was to organize reorganize the web right Facebook they they claim to say that they want to build community and bring the world closer together and I say claim to say in quotes of course as uh, but today if you have to define what is your mission or have you thought about your mission? What, how would you describe it?
2: So personal mission or plus thrift mission?
0: Plus thrift mission.
2: Okay. I would say definitely just creating a safe, inclusive, and happy place where people can feel comfortable and can find solutions to a problem that many including us have been facing for a long time yeah
0: right Uh, anything you want to add uh, megan
2: yeah i think for me our
1: mission really is to fill a hole in a market for people who are in marginalized bodies like ourselves and not only offer affordable green options but also offer things that fat people want to wear that fat people want to live in that fat that will make them happy we're not just giving them you know things that will fit them but we're also curating and creating a brand in which understands that they deserve to feel wonderful in the body that they're in and also the clothes that they're in
0: wow that sounds incredible we have the trailer there I think. (laughs) So I'm sure you guys heard about the concept of body positivity, exactly knowing what you Mm -hmm. are doing. I recently had here as a guest in my podcast, Theron Logan. He actually worked as a creative director for a few brands like uh, Uniqlo, J Crew, And the reason why I have him in the podcast, even though this is a podcast about local businesses, is because I think he's one of the one of the people that I met that embraced the concept of body positivity on his work and on different campaigns. And we had this amazing conversation when I met him online about body positivity. And I told him, hey, why don't you come to my podcast? And we speak about this concept of body positivity. One of the things that he said that actually I want to discuss with you guys is that the, he he claimed that one of the reasons how fashion brands can embrace body positivity is having a more diverse offering of size, right? Which is what you guys were discussing. Based on your experience, if you had someone from a very important brand, any of these big brands in the fashion industry today, and you want to give them, you know, a suggestion, opinion, or how how they can start joining this movement that you clearly have, in front of your eyes but they're not seen.
1: well i have a lot of feelings about all of that as i specialize in fat activism and obviously i'm going to come off a little direct per usual Go. so <laughs> let's start off with size 20 is not size inclusive let's start off with if less than 10 percent of your in-person store offers above an xl you are not size inclusive whatsoever and please take that off your door i am tired Of not being able to access clothing in person, but yet expected to space shipping online, which is inherently a fat tax. So if you are truly looking to embrace body positivity, then I should feel well represented in store with many options instead of having to crawl into the back corner and hoping that I might find a pair of jeans that will fit me.
0: Hmm. All right. Okay, Julie, do you have anything to add to that?
2: I agree with everything Megan said, 100 million percent. It's kind of enraging, Um, so I, I just, it's simple. Just make our size, make our size, make everyone's size, not just our size because we are lower on the spectrum. Make everyone's size, make it in all of the styles. You have the fabric, just do it. Don't increase the price. It should be priced the same. You have the budget for it do it you have the audience you have everyone do it or we're waiting for out. you quit <laughs> in. i know that you
1: work daniel in like fashion where you allocate the overall cost into sizing and price point. so like if you're not charging an xx small a lower price point why are you charging a 3x a higher price point that's not how fashion works and mm-hmm. i'm tired of hearing that <laughs>
0: That was going to be my question. I mean, uh, so, and of course, I'm going to pretend that our listeners don't know about this, but if you can elaborate more about what is happening now with the sizes and the different prices and how do we fix it, how we should fix it.
1: We're talking about all (laughs) my favorite topics. I know. Uh, So (laughs) a lot of people don't understand how fat phobia directly correlates into the fashion industry and the excuses fat phobic people make in regards to not offering plus sizes. And it usually comes into cost per unit. So I have a background in marketing and business. So like, I understand this a little bit better than most. And it's really funny when people, you know, talk to me about this topic and their first ones, well, it's more fabric. It just costs more money, suck it up. And I'm like, that's not how businesses work. That's not how this industry works. Plus we're buying wholesale in large mass quantities. A shirt on Amazon from XS to XL costs twenty dollars, and then the same exact shirt from 1X to 3X costs ten dollars more. That's not allocating cost per unit. That's allocating a fat tax. And you know, with shopping, we're not paying cost per unit because if that were the case, an XXS, the smallest size possible, let's say, for a regular spectrum of sizes would be inherently 25 to 50% less than a regular XL. Is that what's happening? No, it's not. We're allocating cost and we're averaging it for the total cost per unit. So if we average an XXS to, let's say a 4XL, we're going to do the median cost and then that's what we're going to charge for each item. That's how this should work. So when fat phobes go, but you use more fabric and it's like that that's such a disgusting response to us just asking for the bare needs to cover our body and saying that we are giving you money. We would like to give you money. Please just make our size. <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah. Well said. I mean, I don't I have no comments about that. You're <laughs> you're absolutely right. So I see that you. I mean, I, w- I was looking through your social media, both of you, and you both are such an amazing local supporters in Jersey City. And as you know, you know, this podcast is all about local businesses. So can you give some examples of some local businesses in your area that you want to give them a shout out now?
1: Oh, my goodness. There's We're so happy. many. There's so many. <laughs> could be um, for hours. <laughs> Wealth & Co., Love Locked. I love Pet Shop, <laughs> obviously. Oh my gosh, start running some off, Julie. There's like so many. Freehouse uh, JC. Grind. <laughs> pinwheel. Love Pinwheel. Yes.
2: Uncle Mom. Uh,
1: yes, Folk Beauty is really, really great. I'm starting to get into that beauty. Sweet Tea. I love them. Really. Dominant Vibes. Dominant Vibes is
2: great. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh my goodness! There's so many. Because there's so many. <laughs> there's so many. It's hard to pick. Yeah, How- like when you ask
2: that question, a hundred like names and handles just popped up in my head, and I'm like, where do I start?
0: How about in other industries that is not fashion related?
2: I mean, that's easier because
1: you know they don't make our size usually. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I still support them. That's the worst part, you know. Like I feel like companies are like oh but i'm like i still come to support you i'm still you know spending money in your stores it's not an attack it's not a call out it's just raising awareness and having these discussions and that's the difference you know having accountability shouldn't feel like an attack
0: (laughs) that's correct that's correct education
2: it's information
1: yeah because people don't realize i had this conversation not to deflect where you know we're somebody, a local business was like, well, we can just order your size. And I'm like, that's not the same as having accessibility on the rack. And the fact that you can order my size and yet you're choosing not to put those sizes in your storefront tells me what I need to know. And that is inherently fat phobic. Like you're basically telling me you can do this. You're just choosing not to.
0: Yeah. No, no, absolutely. So any other local businesses beyond fashion? That you want to give them shout outs in Jersey City today?
1: Yeah, there's a new one, Strawberries and Me, who's really, really great. Boundanas. I'm Bound so <laughs> um, My friend Judy just started a new business, Tarot by Judy, and she owns Tails for Trails. But I own a pet sitting business, so, you know, okay. <laughs> have to be careful with that. I also love Dessert Pixie, um, Sweet Tea, Sweat Sauna. You
2: know
0: there's just so many it's like
2: there's
0: so many yeah yeah it's, um, what are your favorites my oh my god yeah i have so many too i, <laughs> I in terms of restaurant one of my favorites today is corto
1: oh, uh, oh my god amazing. i love corto
0: i'm actually yeah. interviewing the 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 founder next week too oh, great. so nice yeah yeah he's he's amazing i mean i just love the experience everything there I Was reading how he actually started the restaurant and why he started. He's actually a chef from New York that it moved to the area and started oh. investing here a lot. And also, I, I think I mean, you guys experience it probably will agree with this too that I feel like when you go to Corto, you're getting like a super premium, probably 500 plus dollars dinner in the city for a hundred. Yeah, and that, that was. Proud of the idea, the why he why he started because he wanted to make a super premium homemade Italian experience more affordable for everyone.
1: Yes, and I like that it's Northern Italian, correct? Yes, that's correct. The the cuisine feels more hearty. Like it's one of my favorite places to go in the winter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you see him, tell him Miss Giggles loves his food.
0: (laughs) I will. (laughs) For sure. For sure.
1: (laughs) Love. It's one of my favorite restaurants. I think I also love BROA. I feel like people don't talk about BROA enough. Which one? Sorry? BROA.
0: BROA. Oh, I haven't been.
1: Portuguese.
0: Oh, I haven't been.
1: Yeah, I have to go. And they just opened Tambourine, which is on the strip. I didn't get to go yet. It's Brazilian. So I'm excited to go.
0: Oh, nice. Nice. But Pinwheel.
1: Have you been to Pinwheel?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So good. That's my neighborhood. Okay. So good.
0: Cool. Awesome, guys. So I guess my last question I have for you guys is. If you will, let's say for any reason, your business is shut down today and you were asked to start a new local business, what would you start?
2: <laughs> you can go, Julie. I have my idea. <laughs> <sighs> I, I'm i not sure. I mean, there's, I'm a passionate about a lot of things. I am passionate about what I'm doing at the moment. I think it would have to do with giving back to the community. Anyway, I feel like most small businesses in Jersey City, we share that trait with them that we are giving back to our community and we're like a family and we really truly care about the people that we're serving and we kind of form these relationships and it's beautiful. And I, I mean, anything that would kind of bring me that would bring me fulfillment and happiness truly and make me feel like I have um, that sense of purpose and what I'm doing. Maybe something. That has to do with inclusivity. Maybe something that has to do with childcare, community organization, something like that. All right. Well, hopefully
1: this business doesn't stop. But you I mean, I
0: I'm pretty my, sure you won't.
1: <laughs> but I already have my idea for my next business, but now I'm like afraid to share it just to make sure nobody steals it from me. But I do need investors, so like I would like to open Jersey City's first um, sex shop. But I would like to do it in which a way of a high-end, educational, inclusive place where we can have workshops discussing queer politics, sex positivity, something of like a community outreach perspective. And, you know, I, I would like to do it in a way, it, it's kind of interesting, I want to do like a beauty slash sex shop.
0: <laughs> wow, that sounds really so, interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I have the idea. I have the name. Now it's just like getting investors and the time because I'm building my own social media business right now. So it's like one thing after the other, but I'm always like, what's the next business?
0: Yeah. So what, what I was going to say, this is not a dream. This is something that you are building.
1: Oh sure. yes, yeah, this is not a dream. I just Okay, need good. time and resources.
0: I think this is, I think this is probably the first time that this happens to me in this podcast that someone cares <laughs> something that I was about to do after what they are already doing.
1: Oh yeah. I'm, I'm not already, a dream like I'm an idea person. So now it's just like I I haven't I've opened multiple businesses at this point successfully, but I haven't had a brick and mortar yet. So now I'm like it's not the next
0: Move. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, Well, thank you both of you for your time. Thanks, Meg. Thank you, Julie. It's been a an inc- a really amazing and incredible conversation. I really had a great time with you guys. This is like I felt that we were like just you know sitting down in a coffee place in in, uh, in Jersey City, just it's talking. The
2: Jersey City vibes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sense of community. You can feel it. It's
1: contagious. It is. Yes. It is. I love when- anyone visits and they're like, do people just know each other?
2: I'm like, yes, yes. We're all family. We're all one big, happy family. (laughs)
0: That's (laughs) absolutely right. That's absolutely right. So before we finish, how can people find both of you? How can they find your business? Just, you can you share that with us?
2: Sure. So I'm Julie Kyrie and I'm at Julie Kyrie on Instagram. And we also have our plus thrift page, which is at plus thrift JC on Instagram as well.
1: And you can find me personally, Miss Giggles, M S G I G G G L E S, and then I also have a dog walking business in town, which is Meg the Pet Sitter. That's kind of your thing.
0: Also in Jersey City. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. I, I didn't get that. I think I went straight to the to the to to this business and I didn't pay attention to that. So, oh, thank you for for sharing oh, that. Oh
1: yeah, se- we'll send you some links. I'll send it to you in the chat.
0: Cool. Awesome. <laughs> And I'll make sure to put it on the credits of the of the podcast as well. Megan is chatting, sending me all the information, guys. <laughs> typing,
1: <laughs> typing so I don't forget. <laughs> oh, you got it all, Megan, yeah, yeah, I have <laughs> I have
0: the plus riff. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Julie and Megan, for being in Purposely Local today. It was at a very, very, very inspiring story to hear how these two women started this plus size business about consignment, plus size, and local. All three in the same business. It's really amazing and I hope this episode becomes an example for other entrepreneurs to follow the trend of what they are doing in other cities because this is truly the future of the fashion industry. And if you speak to anyone In the fashion industry today, I'm sure they will probably agree with my statement. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. If you have any questions about or any suggestions about the podcast, feel free to email me at daniel.salciro at gmail.com or any other suggestions, I'm free to listen. And thank you very much. And I hope to see you back in our next episode.